Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Dennis Wolowicki. Dennis is the Executive Managing Director at CAPS Research, and CAPS, if you're used to seeing the acronym, stands for Center for Advanced Procurement Strategy. They're a B2B nonprofit research center affiliated with both Arizona State University and ISM, the Institute for Supply Management. So hi, Dennis. Thank you so much for being with me. Hello, Kelly, and thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. Absolutely. Now, I shared a little bit about where you work and some of the university affiliations that you have, but what else do you think it would be helpful for people to know about your professional background? Well, I I think it's an interesting background, and I think it's a highly relevant background for the role that I'm in. And I started as an engineer uh, way back uh, longer than I want to remember as an engineer in aerospace and industrial products companies. And that was an excellent foundation. A manufacturing and engineering background was an excellent jumping off point for how I stumbled into supply chain. And I really did stumble into it, uh, but was fortunate to, uh, find my way to the world of supplier management and, uh, supply chain uh, around critical components. And that just fascinated me. And so I was able to slide into that type of work uh, through my career experiences, first on the corporate side, and then was very fortuitous to be picked up by a consulting, a large global consulting company uh, because of my background. And that's where I just really fully stepped into supply chain strategy and a lot of uh, great procurement inventory and logistics work. Um, Through the course of that career, I moved uh, consulting companies to another large global player, had more tremendous experience, but then had the urge to go back and really be a part of it on the on the corporate side to really own it again from the corporate side and step back into several corporate roles. So I'm proud to say that, you know, I've got a, a combination background of technical and supply chain as well as having been on the corporate and the consulting side to see the problems from different dimensions. And to your point, that is important for the work that you do in research now, because you've you've seen the challenges, you've had to address and characterize the problems from a lot of different perspectives. And CAPS Research is one of the most respected in our space. I've never actually had an opportunity to interview anybody affiliated with CAPS Research before, So one of the things that I'm curious to know is what does the beginning of the process look like? How do you and your team decide what you're going to research? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's actually several dimensions to that. So I'll break it down a little bit. We are known for um, really three key pillars of service, although there's a, a big portfolio of things that we do. I could easily put those into three key pillars. And the first is benchmarking and metrics and and quantitative measurement around processes. Uh, The second is 
primary research and, and in some cases, secondary and applied research around uh, challenging supply chain issues. And then the third is executive networking and connection and fostering relationship. Um, yeah, so executives and procurement and supply chain leaders can talk with their peers around what's happening. Those are the three main things. And the way we direct those activities uh, may be slightly nuanced for each of those. The benchmarking is a more established process. It's been in place for a long, long time with CAPS Research. And I think we're well known by many people for our metrics of supply management, which is a collection of close to 100 benchmarks that we do annually uh, across industries and across companies. And we've got a large database of history around those key benchmarks, um, as well as a number of other surveys and benchmarks we do through the course of the year. Now, sometimes those are directed by a request of one of our corporate members who says, hey, I really need to understand how other companies are uh, measuring cost takeout. What are they counting? What are they not counting? Uh, how, what are other companies doing around uh, technology and automation around indirect spend? You know, what sort of issues are they looking at? And we'll go and we'll benchmark that or we will quantify and qualify that with a, with a, a survey uh, process. For research, um, our members tell us what's on their mind and what's important. And we actually hold workshops and roundtables and um, conduct fact-finding sessions to say, we're going to direct our uh, university and academic partners, primarily Arizona State University's supply chain school at WP Carey uh, School of Business, but also involving other partners at other great universities and other institutions around the world and say, here are the key issues on the minds of our members. Uh, this is what we want to focus on. And we'll scope that and define that and uh, you know, put, put some timeline and some deliverables around that. Oftentimes, it's about a one-year process of doing the primary research. In other cases, if it's a hot issue and, they, and our members want something faster, we'll take a white paper approach that's about a 90-day process. And then the last piece is the executive networking, and that's ad hoc. And then when we get questions coming in, a, a, a supply executive will call us. For instance, one of our members called us recently and said, hey, uh, I've got a CIO that's insisting on new standards around cybersecurity with my suppliers. If I do what he says, it's going to take me eight months to onboard a supplier. What are other companies doing? Yeah. And we fostered a series of one-on-one -on -one phone calls with other companies for him to understand best-in-class process. Um, so that's what we do and how we do it. And that's interesting because through those three pillars, as you had put it, you're clearly very connected to the community in terms of what's happening. But also, you know, even when you think about benchmarking, you get a sense of, what are the, the aspirational goals that people may have? So you have this opportunity to keep your finger on the pulse. And to that point, when you and I had spoken previously, you talked to me about a recent con uh, conscious change of focus that you had made. I think it was a really interesting point. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, if I remember correctly, you're speaking about the fact that we we really uh, sharpened up uh, what we're doing with research and benchmarking yeah. to make it more actionable and and to make it more um, implementable, to use a word. Um, so CAPS, as, as we've said, has been well known for the research and benchmarking we do. And with the academic partners, I think it's, it's varied over the years as you look over past history and some of the past work. 
it's it's ebbed and flowed a bit from the more academic side of more theoretical, far looking, far reaching, but maybe more theoretical type insight um, to ebbing back towards more actionable, more practical type insight of what can I do right now? And, uh, you know, that's always it's always a balance. It's a tug of war between taking that far strategic look and, and doing something more immediate and practical. And we're being pulled by our members. In today's world, we're being pulled by our members of tell me what I need to do right now. Tell me how to make this work. Tell me how to solve my problems. And so we're, we're dialing it back a bit to sharpen it up and focus it to create roadmaps and tools and templates and the actionable plans for people to go, go get it done. And just to underscore that point, we are planning for a large executive summit in Phoenix in October. It's our annual event with all of our executive leaders. They get together in a, in a closed session and they're able to just spend time with each other. And we're researching the topics they really wanna cover. And I'll tell you, this is very, very real time here because it's coming in as we speak, but I've asked the executives across a range of topics, where do you wanna focus? And I've put about seven or eight ideas out to them resoundingly they have come back and said one of the things has to be talking about productivity and the fundamentals of excellent execution and supply yeah. chain you know what does it take to get my team dialed back in to outperform on cost and outperform on supply continuity you know help me recalibrate around the basics and i just think it's very clear the message is loud and clear these companies want to get back to the fundamentals now, do you find that there's a connection between where procurement executives and companies want to focus and maybe where specific markets or the economy as a whole is driving them? I mean, do you think the focus back on fundamentals and efficiency and productivity has something to do with the fact that things are a little bit tight right now? Or is it a, a longer term sort of trend that we're on? I think, in my opinion, it's a longer trend. We're going to see this for a while. I think mm -hmm. some of this is just cleaning up the battle damage that happened during the pandemic. The fact that just a lot of processes got broken, a lot of things were disrupted in the, you know, in the quest to keep the business yeah. operating. You, you circumvented some of the established rules of order that you had. Um, data got fragmented. A lot of things happened over the past three years. And I think companies are lifting their head up now taking a little bit of a breath and saying, hey, we got to put order back in the house again. And I think that somewhat that, I think it's now somewhat in the inflationary environment that we're in and all of that, what's happened and where we're at with pricing and where we're at with, with the market. Um, I think CEOs and CFOs are going, hey, look guys, uh, supply management, you got to help me get this back under control. Um, I'm either passing on increases to my customers and they're not happy or you've got to help me dial some of this back. And now the relentless cost pressure is rising yeah. again. Um, you know, after we've kind of got through the crisis, now it's back on cost again. And I think that's part of it. And then um, I think that uh, talent plays into this. And we're going to talk a bit through the course of this conversation around people and talent and the importance of that. But, you know, with the disruption in some of the workforce and the disruption that's happened in these supply management teams, they've got empty empty seats on the team where they've had new people come in and just inherently lost some of the legacy knowledge they had. They've had to um, you know, kind of rebuild what they've got. They've got new people that are onboarding. And so with that disruption of your talent, 
um, you're now having to recalibrate and refocus. So I think it's a combination of all those things and probably more. Well, let's stay with the talent topic. And it's interesting timing because I suppose it depends on exactly who you reference, but the great resignation was recently declared over. It's a terrible practice, but I'll do air quotes uh, via the podcast, declared over somewhere between, say, December of 2022 and March or April of, of 2023. And to your point about battle damage, now you have these procurement teams that are trying to get their processes back on track, trying to respond to input from the rest of the C-suite. And they're also trying to put together some kind of roadmap how do you see these organizations both attempting to train their eyes back on the horizon to get some type of heads up visionary sort of strategy in place, but also work to make sure they're taking those pragmatic steps so that they don't stay stuck in any of their legacy practices? Yeah, and I, I think that's the key thing is to just step back from legacy practice and just take a fresh look. And that's one of the things we're emphasizing is, hey, CAPS Research and with our affiliate partner Institute for Supply Management, we've got the capability to help you take half a step back and just take a fresh look. Just rethink it. Um, it doesn't matter where you are. You're, you know, These companies are where they're at for a lot of reasons, and there's no blame game here. But now just, just take a fresh look and look at everything from the way you're organized and how you operate. Is it central, centrally managed? Is it, um, is it hybrid? Is it remotely managed? How does your supply organization look? What's the mix of skills and roles on your team? I mean, what sort of structure do you have? Do you have a very tactically biased team? And, and we tend to see that in the benchmarks. Even in today's age, we see a very high percentage of tactical executional roles on teams and, and fewer strategic roles than we would expect. So what's your mix of, of talent on your team look like? And then what's, what's the skills and capabilities of that talent? You know, what do they know and how competent are they? Are they a great negotiator or are they a weak negotiator? Are they an excellent project manager? or they don't know how to build a Gantt chart around a major sourcing initiative. You know, where are they at on that scale? And then once you have that information, what do you do about it? How do you put the house in order again? How do you, how do you with this fresh look, this, this step back, how do you now with a whiteboard define what this organization should look like in order to go execute, in order to achieve that supply, supply chain excellence? Uh, what do you need? And it might mean moving some people around it might mean development and training. It frankly might mean some firing and some hiring. Um, it's probably all of those, but just take stock of it and do it with a methodical approach. Now, you had talked about that list of seven or so topics that you've put in front of your community in advance of the event coming up in October. I'm curious to know if one topic in particular is on that list and if it is where it's ranking. And that topic is ESG, or I guess you could break it out, either ESG, sort of the overall umbrella, or the diversity and sustainability and governance, different initiatives that fall within it. Um, was that on your list, Dennis? And, and if it was, how is it ranking? Great question, Kelly. And yes, it was on the list. And um, it is ranking not the highest, but of great interest. I'll put it that way it's definitely one of the stronger responses that we're receiving. 
And that, that echoes something that we have in recent research that we did around leading risks over the next three years and how companies are perceiving that. And compliance and regulatory is definitely rising up over the next three years. It's something that's on people's radar. And it's interesting because, you know, so often we hear these very loud messages, especially as consumers, right? We hear about commitments, we hear about goal setting, we hear about, you know, ESG program, but you do wonder, and especially being in procurement, we get this behind the scenes look at decision-making at prioritization. We, we get a sense of, okay, is the way we make decisions actually changing in alignment with some of the things that are being projected publicly? Um, do you see any disconnect between sort of the public-facing ESG commitment, goals, vision, and what's actually happening operationally, or are they fairly well aligned? Uh, that's... Uh... That's a fantastic lead in, Kelly. Thank you. It's, um, it, it is definitely, there are, there are two conversations going on. I'm going to be very candid here. Um, there's the public-facing statements and the public-facing actions around this. And then there's the, I'm going to tell you quietly in the hallway, but don't quote me on this kind of conversation. Yeah. There's a lot of angst around ESG and some of these regulatory requirements. Um, there's a lot of angst around the net zero targets and the methods to achieve it. Um, there's even angst, uh, quite frankly, around just the more immediate here and now of how do you baseline and measure um, some of these some of these factors? You know, how do you define what your carbon output is right now today in order to set a baseline for how you go and prove it? Um, People are struggling with this. It's a it's a slow process. And, you know, it's so politically charged that a lot of these folks can't just publicly outright say, look, I, I, I don't know how to get this done. And I'm not sure this goal of 2035 or 2040 or whatever's being set. I'm not I'm not sure this is achievable with what I see right now. That's that that's something dangerous for some people to say. But we're clearly picking up on this. And so CAPS research is starting to pivot a bit. And we're putting some resource to building a set of facts and building a set of viewpoints, keeping it as um, as fact based and structured as we can to say, hey, here here are some of the issues here. Here's where it doesn't seem to be adding up. Here's where we need to have more discussion Uh, because there's a lot of rhetoric and there's a lot of push out there in the media. And sometimes that doesn't stack up when you start to draw the numbers on the paper. I actually think that's a really important and powerful acknowledgement. You know, so many of these programs have vision and mission that every single one of us can get behind. But to borrow your phrase, if we allow the rhetoric and the PR cycle to dominate, we're not actually accomplishing any of the things that we're, we're setting out and trying to do. Um, so I, I appreciate you acknowledging that. I actually look forward to reading more based on CAP's research in this area. As we start to sort of wind down this part of the conversation, one of the other things that I had thought about 
you know, you talked about sort of recalibrating to say, okay, what do people need right now? People need actionable information. And yes, you want some inspiration. You want some theory. There's some philosophy, right? But really the priority is to reorient the research and the work that you're doing around actionable things. And I think something like that takes a lot of courage. Do you think that there's an opportunity for procurement to look internally and maybe find the courage to do similar things, whether we're trying to transform digitally, whether we're trying to get over some kind of roadblock like we've talked around in ESG, or whether it's simply about bringing people on board for what the C-suite is looking for procurement to deliver in the here and now. What sorts of opportunities does procurement have to be courageous and to stand up and to make some really pivotal changes in the short term that could have a significant positive impact on our longer term value delivery? Well, I, you know, this is something I could probably have another 40 minute conversation with you about. <laughs> I know we don't have the time, but I'll try to encapsulate it very quickly. I definitely see the opportunity for major transformational improvement. We've touched on a little bit of that already, talking about getting a team, an organization properly structured and built. Um, and people are everything. You won't go anywhere without the people. Um, and so, you know, that's part of what we are building in this response to our, our members. They're either saying it outright or we're clearly perceiving it in the conversations of we need some help. We need to, we need to get back to these fundamentals and basics we talked about. Um, we need to get our house in order. And, and that, that cuts across a lot of things. It cuts across data management and spend analysis. Do you have a good grasp on your organization's data? Do you really know the profile around your suppliers and categories? And, and they'll say, yes, we do. And I say, Can I see your list of top 100 suppliers and categories? Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> we can get that. Um, Joe, would you talk to accounts payable, have them run a report? You know, th and they really don't have it. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And, you know, contract management, where do you stand with your critical suppliers? Are your contracts up to date? How, how have you weathered through this past storm? Um, how have pricing adjustments been made? Is it time for a second look? Um, and on through a number of other steps where you can just do a good fundamental assessment that we call a transformational assessment of where are you at and do you have gaps and opportunities? And, and I, I definitely think there's a lot of companies uh, that will benefit from this and, and there shouldn't be shame. So to your point about courage and speaking up, um, I'll throw another factoid out there. This is something that really bothers us is our research shows that unfortunately, even today in 2023, um, over two thirds of chief um, procurement officers, chief supply chain officers, um, supply executives, let me put it that way, the leading executive in the organization for supply. Um, in two, more than two thirds of the cases, those positions report two levels down from the CEO. They're not even at the table. They're not in the boardroom with the discussions unless they're invited in. Um, that's a problem. We see that as a problem and I'll continue yeah. to push that point in all the presentations I do. So part of it is that courage to push your way into that discussion and say, look, we have an opportunity to help find value in this company. We can do a lot of things. We have to be part of the company strategy and part of the discussions. Um, 
but there, there's a huge opportunity out there. And, and what we're doing is we are helping our members build the tools and the capabilities and the roadmaps to go get that. And that's incredibly important because without that support and without that education and without factoids like the two-thirds of the head supply officer being two levels down from the CEO, that's depressing. It is. Um, it, you would think after the last few years, Dennis, you would think that would have sort of rocketed us, you know, that old game shoots and ladders. I would have thought that would have just rocketed us right up to the C-suite and Gosh, if a pandemic, if a once in a century pandemic didn't do it, clearly there are some active things internally that procurement needs to be doing to get that change made because that is an important piece of progress that we need to push for. It absolutely is. And I'll, like I say, I'm going to keep echoing this. Um, yeah. It's an important point. But, you know, I don't think companies should be bashful. Back to your point about courage as well. They can't be bashful about the fact that there are these gaps and these opportunities. No executive should be embarrassed by that. Um, whether you've come in new and you've inherited an organization that you need to stand up again, or whether you've been there for a while and you've just come through the, the battle wars, right? It's, it's okay. Just acknowledge there are gaps and then set your mind to going and fixing it. There should be no shame. Uh, the important thing is to improve it. And uh, there's lots of reasons why companies kind of fall into uh, a state of disrepair and not all of those are controllable. So uh, get your arms around it and, and, and drive it because there are benefits there. The transformational opportunities are there. Now, multiple times during this conversation, we've sort of touched back on this idea of courage and the importance of it and where it fits in some of the changes that we're seeing. It actually provides a really good transition to a tradition we have here at The Sourcing Hero. Dennis, every guest, the very first time they join me, I ask them to choose one of a pair of questions and then answer it. So let me start by giving you your options, and then you can pick a question and, and you can share your perspective. So your options are, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? Or what does heroism look like in a business context? I think I'm going to answer that in a way that kind of cuts across both. Sure. And I'm going to stay on the, on the topic and uh, subject that I, I just think is critical, which is people. And so I think a sourcing hero or something that um, uh, that is is heroism in the in the environment is leadership. And you know, a sourcing hero is somebody who's a great leader. And I'll put several dimensions on that. Um, whether you're managing a team and you're leading people and you're building their skills and their competence and you're creating their confidence to to be a, a greater value to the organization. Um, or you're managing stakeholders and building the relationships to be truly effective working with the other functions in the company, or you're managing your supplier. And let's face it, a supplier is not a sign on the side of a building. A supplier mm -hmm. is people. And, you know, how, how is that organization that's serving you? How are they working with you, collaborating, finding innovation, getting things done, shortening lead times, whatever it is? Um, so a sourcing hero is somebody who's a great leader and who is polishing those people who need a little polishing, creating, finding those diamonds in the rough and standing them up, um, or, you know, building a great supplier relationship or building a great stakeholder relationship. In my mind, that's a hero. 
I think that's an excellent point of view, and it's a great way to sort of wrap all of the topics that we've touched on today. Now, if people have listened in and they're interested in connecting with you or maybe learning more about CAPS research, where would you suggest that they go for more information? Well, my contact information is on my LinkedIn profile, and I welcome connections with great supply leaders. Um, And the second place you can go is to the CAPS Research website, and there's an info link there where you can request more information, and we'll be in touch with you. Um, And then uh, please uh, reach out either way. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Kelly. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.